0: I'm Courtney Smith. And I'm
1: Elise Sharp. And we are two Shakespeare nerds who decided to make a podcast about our love for Shakespeare. In this podcast, we will tackle as many dimensions to Shakespeare's plays as we can by looking at the text, examining the historical context in which it was written, and how the text is viewed through modern lenses of feminism, racism, classism, colonialism, nationalism, ableism, all of the isms. We will discuss how his plays shaped both the past and present, and, as actors, how his plays can be responsibly performed today, all while trying our best to approach his works without giving in to bardolatry. So, Shakespeare, anyone? Hi, listeners. Elise here to remind you of all the ways you can support the podcast and the work that Courtney and I do. First up, we have a Patreon. Our Patreon patrons receive exclusive bonus content. Every month we do a roundup of Shakespeare-related content we have found online. We also share Patreon-exclusive bonus episodes of the podcast. These look like extended versions of episodes you've heard here, collaborations with other Shakespeare podcasters, and Courtney and I doing reviews of Shakespeare-adjacent media, like TV shows, movies, and books that are inspired by or loosely based on Shakespeare and Shakespeare plays. Patreon patrons also receive snail mail from the podcast, and some levels even vote on future episodes of our podcast. If you are interested in checking out our Patreon, or just the Shakespeare-related names we've given the tiers of support, head to patreon.com slash ShakespeareAnyone. The link is also in our episode description. After you've done that, please rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Your review might even make it on an episode. You can also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and tell a friend. Word of mouth is our best form of advertising. Thank you so much for all of the support you give the podcast. Now, on to the episode. Hi, Courtney. Hi starting off the new year on a good note. <laughs> hmm We're both like... Almost in unison. So
0: jazzed to talk about this that we're going to talk over each other.
1: <laughs> <laughs> More than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am so jazzed to be starting a new play and be kicking off our fourth year <laughs> in production with a play that I think is very well known. Perhaps we think we know it very well as a society, and it is so permeated throughout pop culture that we are going to have a lot of choices when it comes to that wrap-up
0: episode. Yes, I know. I'm like, okay, so do we just have like a five-hour wrap-up where we talk about every iteration of this play? Oh, no. Every reference, (laughs) every adaptation. Yeah. Yeah, it is... Romeo and Juliet. That's right. And Romeo and Juliet, I think on a large scale, like the large scale that was like, this is Shakespeare. This is William Shakespeare. And he writes plays and we read them and think about them and talk about Mm -hmm. them. And I think Romeo and Juliet was my entry point in that large academic and cultural realm because that was my ninth grade English literature
1: play. Yep. I also read Romeo and Juliet in ninth grade English, or rather we didn't Read it. Our um, teacher had a, like, book on tape played so, like, professional Mm. actors were reading it. And then we were reading along and discussing. Okay. But this is a play that um, was also my first, like, entry into Shakespeare in that I saw the PBS show Wishbone episode. And from that, in fourth grade, nine years old, I then wrote an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet based solely on my understanding from the wishbone episode and then it has been you know a whole career of shakespeare since (laughs) yeah i was gonna say that's the most elise
0: sharp story that could ever exist (laughs) but yeah i'm really excited to dive into this play because like you said we think we know romeo and juliet as a culture Mm -hmm. we think we understand it and the more i engage with it the more i realize there are so many preconceived notions and so many in my opinion misreadings Mm. in the cultural lexicon and Mm -hmm. i'm excited to see what else we are missing when we talk about romeo and juliet
1: yeah me too so uh let's dive into the synopsis not my fourth grade synopsis
0: yes william shakespeare's romeo and juliet Juliet. the Arden third edition version yes hi listeners it's editing courtney Whether it was because we were too excited to be talking about Romeo and Juliet, or because we have been podcasting for three years and finished six plays, Elise and I forgot to explain the structure for our synopsis episode. We forgot to set this up for all of you listeners, new and old. So, here is how our synopsis episode will work. Elise and I are going to break down Romeo and Juliet, scene by scene, moment by moment we are going to explain what is happening and what is being said. Now, unfortunately, because the text is so long, we are going to have to omit doing close readings and analysis of beautiful language passages or the scenes. We also will not be able to discuss different lenses in which you can read this play, nor will we talk about different interpretations of the play or our own opinions. The synopsis will simply be what is happening beginning, middle, and end we will do all of that other wonderful work during the course of our Romeo and Juliet series. So, now that we've broken it down, sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode.
1: This play begins with a chorus delivering a prologue to this play and summarizing the plot we as the audience are about to see. According to the prologue, the rivalry between two families of equal status in Verona, Italy, has recently escalated to new levels of violence. However, over the course of the play, a pair of children, one from each family, will fall in love and ultimately kill themselves. Their deaths will ultimately end the violent feud. How the children fall in love amidst the feud, die because of their parents' grudges, and how their death was the only thing that could get their parents to resolve the feud will be the plot of the two-hour play, says the chorus and they ask for the audience's patience and forgiveness for anything that is not perfect in the performance. Then
0: we are transported to the streets of Verona and meet Sampson and Gregory, two retainers, or servants, of the House of Capulet, who are discussing how they will not do dirty work and are bragging instead of how they will fight members of the House of Montague. The feud, they note, is not just between the heads of the houses. Lower members and anyone employed by the families Share the bad blood
1: between the families. Just then, Samson and Gregory spy Abraham, a member of the House of Montague, and draw their weapons. They agree that they should not start the fight so that the law of Verona will be on their side. It will look like they were fighting out of self-defense and weren't the aggressors. Samson then makes an offensive gesture by biting his thumb in Abraham's direction. Abraham asks if Samson is biting his thumb at the Montagues. Samson asks Gregory if the law will be on his side if he says he is. Gregory says no, so Samson admits to biting his thumb, but clarifies that he does not do so at the Montagues. Abraham asks if Samson is trying to fight. Samson says no, but that if Abraham is trying to fight, then Samson will defend himself, for the Capulets are as good as the Montagues, if not better.
0: Benvolio, a member of the Montague family, enters just as Abraham, Samson, and Gregory begin to fight. He draws and tries to break up the fight as Tybalt, a member of the Capulet family, enters. Tybalt accuses Benvolio of having his weapon out to fight the unworthy opponents of Abraham, Samson, and Gregory. Tybalt challenges Benvolio to a more equally matched fight, and they do. Citizens enter
1: and try to break up the fight. Roused by the noise in the street, the heads of the Capulet and Montague families enter to fight, followed by their wives, who attempt to stop the patriarchs from fighting. Before they can break free from their wives and join the fight, Prince Aeschylus, the ruler of Verona, enters and orders the brawlers, under the threat of torture, to throw down their weapons. The prince reveals that multiple brawls like these have disturbed the peace of Verona multiple times, all bred from an imagined slight. Elderly citizens, he continues, have had to take up weapons to try to enforce the peace. The prince declares that if the Capulets and Montagues disturb the peace again, they will be punished with death. He then instructs Lord Capulet to come along and for Lord Montague to come by later, as the prince will meet with both of them separately to tell them more of his ruling in this case. All exit except for Lord Montague, Lady Montague, and Benvolio.
0: Lord Montague asks Benvolio who started today's fight and Benvolio tells what we just saw happen, that servants of both houses were already fighting when he discovered the fight. He tried to break it up, and Tybalt engaged Benvolio in a fight. Benvolio notes that Tybalt only cut the air, and as they were engaged in combat, more people joined the fray until the prince came and parted everyone.
1: Lady Montague asks if Benvolio has seen Romeo today, as she is glad he wasn't part of the fight. Benvolio tells her that he saw her son earlier, a little before dawn, while Benvolio was up and walking because he couldn't sleep due to a melancholic humor. He saw Romeo also out and walking, but when Benvolio tried to approach Romeo, as the polite thing to do, Romeo spotted him from a distance and disappeared deeper into a grove of sycamore trees. Benvolio assumed that Romeo was also feeling melancholy, and since Benvolio also wanted to be alone, he did not follow Romeo.
0: Lord Montague notes that Romeo has been seen crying near or in the grove of sycamore trees before dawn many mornings recently. However, as soon as the sun rises, Romeo returns home and shuts himself in his room. Benvolio asks if his uncle, Lord Montague, knows the cause of Romeo's melancholy. Lord Montague says that he doesn't know it and hasn't been able to get Romeo to tell him. Benvolio asks if Lord Montague has been persistent and Lord Montague confirms that both he and others have tried many times to get Romeo to open up about what is bothering him. However, Lord Montague continues, Romeo is so unlike his usual outgoing and gregarious self and is not sharing his inner thoughts with anyone. Lord Montague says that if he and his wife could just know the cause, they would try to help cure Romeo of whatever is underlying his melancholy.
1: Then, Romeo enters, and Benvolio tells his aunt and uncle that he will find out what is wrong with Romeo if they will step aside. Lord Montague says he hopes Benvolio is successful. Then, he and Lady Montague exit. Benvolio greets his cousin Romeo with a good morning, and Romeo comments that the day is moving very slowly, as he can't believe it is still only morning. Benvolio asks what sadness is making Romeo's days feel so long and after some back and forth, Romeo reveals that he is in love with a young woman who does not return his feelings. Benvolio empathizes. Romeo asks where they should go to get their midday meal, but then
0: notices the aftermath of the fight. He asks Benvolio to explain what happened, but then immediately takes back his request, as he knows that it has as much to do with hate as love. He then goes on a spree of oxymorons, comparing the love and hate that factor into the feud, to the inner turmoil he is in because of his unrequited love. Romeo asks if Benvolio is laughing at him, to which Benvolio responds that he would rather cry at Romeo's griefs.
1: Romeo replies that their separate griefs will compound as they are both sad for their own states and sad for each other. Romeo continues to muse on the nature of love, then tries to leave. Benvolio tells Romeo he will go with Romeo and that Romeo would do him wrong by leaving him. Romeo says that he isn't himself, so he cannot leave Benvolio. His true self is already somewhere else.
0: Benvolio asks Romeo who he is in love with. Romeo does not give the woman's name, but confirms he is in love with a woman. He then goes on to describe how she has sworn to live chaste, which is a shame because she is so beautiful. Benvolio advises his cousin to forget this woman and look to other women. Romeo says this would only make things worse, and says that Benvolio cannot help Romeo forget. Benvolio bets that he will.
1: They exit. Later that day, in a street near the Capulet house, Lord Capulet is speaking with Paris, who is a count, and an unnamed servant. Capulet says that he and Montague are both obliged to keep the peace under the same threat of penalty. Paris replies that both men are of equal status and that it is a pity that they have been in a feud for so long. He then asks Lord Capulet what Lord Capulet thinks about what Paris has asked him. Lord Capulet replies that he will repeat himself. His
0: child is not yet 14 years old, and Lord Capulet does not want to consider suitors for her hand in marriage until she is at least almost 16. Paris comments that women younger than Capulet's daughter are happily made mothers, and Capulet replies that women who are married that young are often marred. Capulet reveals that his daughter is his only child and encourages Paris to court and win Capulet's daughter's heart. Capulet says that he will match his will with his daughter's consent and choice in her suitor.
1: Capulet then invites Paris to a feast he is holding that night. He encourages Paris to check out the many other women who will be in attendance, as there may be one that Paris likes more than Juliet. He invites Paris to continue walking with him and instructs the servant to deliver invitations for the feast around Verona. Capulet and Paris exit, leaving the servant alone. The servant reveals that he does not know how to read and therefore can't read the names on the list of invitees. Just then,
0: Benvolio and Romeo enter, continuing the conversation from earlier. Benvolio is still trying to convince Romeo that finding a new woman to have a crush on is the way to forget his current grief over the woman who does not love him. Romeo rebukes this notion, then notices the servant. The servant asks if Romeo can read the list of invitees, and after Romeo makes a couple of jokes about reading, he does help the servant read the list, which includes nobles and known Capulets. Romeo asks the servant where all of the invitees are invited, and the servant shares that everyone listed is invited that everyone listed is invited to dinner
1: at his master's house. Romeo then realizes that he should have asked the servant who the servant serves before. And the servant reveals that he serves Lord Capulet and says that Romeo and Benvolio can also come and have a drink tonight as long as they aren't members of the House of Montague. The servant then bids Romeo and Benvolio farewell and exits. Benvolio notes that Rosaline, who is apparently
0: Romeo's beloved, was listed among the invitees. The invitee list is the first time we hear her name, along with all the other most beautiful women in Verona. He tells Romeo to go there and compare Rosaline's beauty with others, and Benvolio will show that Rosaline is not the most beautiful woman in Verona. Romeo says he will be faithful to Rosaline and cannot believe that there will be one fairer than her at the party. However, he will go along to just see Rosaline, who he believes will be superior to the rest of the women at the party.
1: Then, we move into the Capulet house, where Lady Capulet asks her daughter's nurse to call Lady Capulet's daughter. Nurse calls for Juliet multiple times, who then enters. Lady Capulet asks the nurse to leave because what she has to discuss should be in secret, but then she remembers that the nurse knows Juliet very well and allows her to stay. Nurse asserts that she can tell Juliet's age to the hour, and then she and Lady Capulet discuss how Juliet is not yet 14. In a little more than a fortnight on Lammas Tide Eve, or July 31st, Juliet will be 14. Nurse
0: shares that her daughter Susan was about the same age as Juliet, but Susan passed away. The nurse also remembers that she weaned Juliet on the same day as an earthquake, 11 years ago, while Lord and Lady Capulet were in Mantua. She goes on to tell the story of that day that makes her laugh, as Lady Capulet bids Nurse to
1: please be quiet. Juliet also implores Nurse to stop telling the story. Lady Capulet then asks Juliet what she thinks about getting married. Juliet says that marriage is an honor she hasn't dreamed of. Lady Capulet tells her to start thinking about it now because noble ladies younger than Juliet are already married and mothers. In fact, Lady Capulet had already given birth to Juliet by the time she was 14. Lady Capulet continues and reveals that Paris seeks Juliet's love. Nurse exclaims that he is a worthy and attractive man, and Lady Capulet agrees. Lady Capulet then asks Juliet if Juliet can love Paris. Lady
0: Capulet goes on to say that Juliet will be able to see Paris at the feast night and should look favorably on him as they are an equal match. Nurse jokes that Paris will increase Juliet by making her pregnant, and Lady Capulet again asks if Juliet can love the gentleman. Juliet promises that she will try to like Paris if she likes the looks of him, but will not do anything her mother does not consent to.
1: Then, a servant enters and delivers the news that guests have arrived for the feast. Lady Capulet has been called downstairs, Juliet has been asked for, and other servants are cursing the nurse in the pantry, presumably because she should be helping out instead of being with Lady Capulet and Juliet. The servant exits, asking the women to follow after him quickly. They do, with Lady Capulet and Nurse encouraging Juliet to check out Paris while at the party. Outside of the house,
0: Romeo and Benvolio have arrived along with Mercutio, who was one of the listed invitees, other invitees, and servants bearing torches. Romeo and Benvolio are discussing how they should be introduced, as it is customary at parties like this for a presenter to introduce the maskers to the host. Benvolio replies that the custom is no longer fashionable, so they will be fine, and not need to come up with fake names or something. Benvolio says that the ladies present will need to judge them by their appearance, not their name or anything else said in an introduction. Benvolio and Romeo will dance for a little bit,
1: and then leave without thinking about how they were received. Romeo replies that he is not in the mood for dancing, but will instead be a torchbearer. Mercutio interjects that Romeo must dance, and Romeo again says that he won't because he is so melancholy. Mercutio replies that Romeo is a lover and can borrow Cupid's wings, and Romeo reveals to Mercutio that love is what pains him. Mercutio encourages Romeo to be as rough with love as it has been to him, as they are here to party. Benvolio agrees and tells the group to knock on the door and start dancing as soon as they enter.
0: Romeo again says he would rather be a torchbearer, as he will ruin the mood otherwise. Mercutio shrugs this off and says they will improve Romeo's spirits then urges the group to go inside. Romeo then says that while they mean well in going to the mask, he feels that it isn't actually a good idea. Mercutio asks why, and Romeo responds that he had a dream. Mercutio responds that he did too, and his dream showed that dreams are often lies. Romeo persists that his dream was true. Mercutio then teases Romeo that the Queen of Fairies caused Romeo's dreams.
1: After Mercutio goes on for a while... Romeo tells him to be quiet and that he talks of nothing. Mercutio agrees that he is talking of dreams, which mean nothing. Benvolio notes that his discourse has caused them to be late to the party, as the meal has concluded and soon it will be too late for them to arrive and be welcomed. Romeo is still wary. He anticipates that something will begin tonight that will lead to his untimely death. However, he hands his destiny over and encourages the group to go in. They do. Inside the Capulet house... Several servants are cleaning up after the dinner and
0: turning over the ballroom for dancing. They exit as Lord Capulet, Lady Capulet, Juliet, Tybalt, Nurse, Paris, Cousin Capulet, Tybalt's Page, other servants, and all the guests and maskers enter. Lord Capulet welcomes the guests and invites the ladies to dance. He asks the musicians to play and, again, encourages all ladies to dance. He then tells Cousin Capulet to sit with him because they are past their dancing. Cousin Capulet says that the last time they were in a mask was 30 years ago, but Lord Capulet disagrees and says it was actually 25 years ago. They continue to go back and forth on this.
1: Meanwhile, Romeo has spied Juliet dancing with another masker and asks the servant who she is. The servant does not know. Romeo professes that she is the most beautiful woman he has ever seen. Tybalt overhears and knows by Romeo's voice that he is a Montague. Tybalt instructs his page to go get Tybalt's rapier. Tybalt assumes that Romeo has come to mock the event, and because of this, he intends to strike Romeo dead. Lord Capulet stops Tybalt and asks why he is
0: in such a bad mood. Tybalt responds by pointing out Romeo to his uncle. Lord Capulet tells Tybalt to leave Romeo alone because he has heard that Romeo is virtuous and well behaved. Lord Capulet does not want a fight to break out in this house during a party he tells Tybalt to stop frowning, put on a good face, and ignore Romeo. Tybalt objects, and Lord Capulet expresses his displeasure at Tybalt's insistence. Lord Capulet wants to be a good host and not start a riot amongst his guests. Lord Capulet orders Tybalt to leave the party, and Tybalt does,
1: noting that Romeo's intrusion will turn the present happiness into deep sorrow. Tybalt exits as Romeo and Juliet meet and hold hands. Romeo suggests that he should smooth over the rough touch of his hand with a kiss. Juliet deflects this suggestion. After some banter about saints and religious pilgrims, Juliet grants that Romeo may kiss her, although she won't kiss back. He does and continues the religious banter, saying kissing her has purged his sin. She says that her lips then have his sin. He asks forgiveness and takes his sin back by kissing her again. She teases him that his perfectly courtly courtship has won over her maiden reticence. Nurse then interrupts,
0: telling Juliet that her mother is looking for her. Juliet heads over to her mother, and Romeo asks Nurse who Juliet's mother is. Nurse replies that Juliet's mother is the lady of the house, Lady Capulet. Romeo is shocked to find out that the new target of his
1: affections is the child of his family's enemy. Just then, Benvolio approaches and tells Romeo that they should be gone because it is a good time to leave. As they and other guests begin to leave, Lord Capulet tries to stop them with the promise of a forthcoming dessert banquet. Certain maskers whisper excuses to Lord Capulet, who accepts their reasons for leaving, calls for more torches to show the party attendees out safely, and then declares that it is time for bed and very late. All exit except for Juliet and Nurse." Juliet asks the nurse about several attendees as they leave the house,
0: finally asking about the name of the one who would not dance, a.k.a. Romeo. Nurse does not know, so Juliet urges her to go after him and find out. Nurse goes, and Juliet comments that if this young man is married,
1: then she will die unmarried. Nurse returns and reveals to Juliet that the young man who would not dance is Romeo and a Montague, specifically the son of Lord Montague. Juliet curses her fortune that the only man she has ever loved is the son of her family's enemy. Nurse asks what she is saying and Juliet deflects, saying that she has recited a rhyme she has learned from one of her dancing partners. Someone offstage calls for Juliet and Nurse encourages Juliet to go as every guest has already left. They exit. The chorus enters and tells
0: that Romeo's old love was no match for Juliet. Now Romeo loves Juliet instead of Rosaline and his love is returned. Both have been bewitched by each other's good looks, however, the feud stands in their way. Both assume the other sees them as a foe, since their families are so, and the feud prevents them from courting in the same way other lovers do. However, their passion will motivate them to find a way to meet, and their sweet love will make their predicament seem less potent.
1: Next, in a street outside of Capulet's orchard, Romeo is walking alone and comments that he cannot leave without trying to find Juliet again. He withdraws just as Benvolio and Mercutio enter, looking for him. Mercutio believes that Romeo has gone home to bed and is wise for doing so. Benvolio is convinced that Romeo came down this street and climbed the Orchard Wall. He tells Mercutio to call for Romeo. Mercutio attempts twice to conjure Romeo through some mild teasing about Rosaline. Benvolio comments that if Romeo heard Mercutio's conjuration, he'd be angry. Mercutio says that Romeo can't be angry at his teasing. Romeo would be angry
0: if someone else had sex with Rosaline. Mercutio continues that his teasing is fair and honest. He only uses Rosaline's name to make Romeo appear from his hiding place. There's a double entendre or two in here. Benvolio is convinced that Romeo is hiding amongst the trees, wanting to keep the company of Dark Knight.
1: Mercutio says that Romeo is sitting under a medlar tree and wishing Rosaline were like that kind of fruit, specifically what maidens call it when they are alone. Medlars are also called open-arse fruits, and maidens would be able to call them that when they weren't bound by expectations of modesty in public. Mercutio wishes that Rosaline was a medlar, or an open-arse, and that Romeo was a popperin pear, which is a particularly phallic pear. After this particularly salacious innuendo, Mercutio says that he will go to bed as it is too cold. He asks Benvolio to go with him, and Benvolio agrees as it is no use looking for someone who doesn't want to be found. They exit.
0: Romeo reappears from his hiding place and says that Mercutio is trying to make a joke about things that never happened and don't matter now. Then he sees a light turn on in an upstairs window of the house. He imagines it to be Juliet appearing like the sun in the east at dawn. He also compares her to a Vestal virgin, but urges her to not swear herself to virginity like Rosaline. Then Juliet appears at the window. Romeo observes her standing silently at her window and staring up at the sky. He wants to speak to her but stops himself. He imagines that her eyes are one of the constellations she is staring at. In his opinion, they will put the other stars to shame. Then she leans her cheek upon her hand and he wishes he was a glove upon her hand so he could touch her cheek.
1: Juliet sighs. Romeo implores her to speak again. She does, asking aloud why Romeo has to be a Montague. She says that he should give up his parentage, and therefore become a bastard and not a Montague, and she will give up hers and no longer be a Capulet. Then, they will be able to be in love and have each other as their only source of selfhood. Romeo wonders if he should keep listening
0: or speak up. Juliet continues, saying that Romeo himself isn't her enemy, just his name is, and Romeo is more than his last name. She exclaims for him to be from some other family. She then considers what the value of a name is, as things without their names or known by another would still be the same thing. For example, a rose would still smell good even if it weren't called a rose. So, she logics, Romeo would still be as perfect if he wasn't called Romeo,
1: She imagines telling Romeo to remove his name and take all of her. Romeo interrupts, saying that he will be re-baptized by whatever name she chooses and will never again be known as Romeo. Juliet asks what man is out in her garden, hidden by the night, who has been listening to her private thoughts. Romeo replies that he doesn't know what name to call himself because his name is hateful to him, as it is an enemy to her. Juliet recognizes Romeo's voice and asks if it is him. He says he won't be Romeo if she dislikes his name. Juliet then asks how he came into the orchard and why,
0: because the walls are high and difficult to climb, and the Capulet house is a dangerous place for a Montague if any of her relatives discover him here. Romeo claims that love helped him fly over the walls and will protect him against her kinsmen. Juliet responds, logically, that if her family sees Romeo, they will murder him. Romeo responds that there is more danger in her eyes than their swords,
1: and a sweet look from her will make him invulnerable. Juliet says that she does not want her family to find Romeo here, and he says that the darkness of night will keep him hidden. Plus, he notes, if she loves him back, he'd be okay with her family finding him here and killing him out of hate, because that would be better than living a longer life without her love. Juliet then questions Romeo on how he found the orchard, And he responds that love led him here and love would help him find her no matter how far away she was.
0: Juliet tells Romeo that she is blushing since he can't see it because of the dark night. She would gladly stand on ceremony and deny what Romeo overheard her say. But oh well. She then asks if he loves her truly. She knows he will say yes, but lovers often lie. She asks Romeo to pronounce his love truthfully. If he thinks she is too easily won, She can play hard to get so he can woo more, but she'd rather not. She admits to being too affectionate towards him, which might be giving him the wrong impression of her. She promises that she is more true than other girls who are better at being reserved and playing hard to get. She should have played a little harder to get, but he did overhear her private musings about him without her knowledge. She asks him to pardon her lack of reserve and not think it means she doesn't truly love him.
1: Romeo starts to swear by the moon, and Juliet interrupts that he should not swear by the moon because the moon is inconstant. He asks what he should swear by, and Juliet tells him not to swear at all. If he has to swear, she suggests he swear by himself, and that will be good enough for her. He starts to swear again, and she interrupts to tell him not to swear. While she likes Romeo, she feels they are moving too fast. She says good night. Romeo asks her if she will really leave him unsatisfied. Juliet asks what satisfaction he expects to have tonight, and he replies that he wants to exchange vows of love. Juliet replies that she gave his before he requested it and therefore cannot give it again no matter how much she wants to be able to give it. Romeo asks if she is withdrawing her confession of love and why she would do that.
0: Juliet replies that she would take it back in order to give it again to him in a sincere way. She acknowledges that she already has what she wishes for, Romeo's love, and their love rebounds and multiplies itself. She hears someone inside and says farewell. Nurse calls for her, and Juliet leaves, telling Romeo to stay for a minute as she will be right back.
1: She exits. Romeo announces that he feels he is in a dream because life is too good right now. Juliet re-enters. She says that if Romeo's intentions are honorable and tending towards marriage, then he should send her word tomorrow by a messenger that she will send to him about where and when She should meet him to get married. Then she will lay her fortunes at his feet and follow him wherever he goes. Nurse continues to call for
0: Juliet, and Juliet hurriedly tells Romeo that if he doesn't mean well, then he should stop trying to woo her and leave her to grieve her love. He starts to swear again, and she says good night and exits. Romeo is sad to see her go. Then she re-enters and calls for him in hushed tones. Romeo realizes that Juliet is calling him. She then asks what time she should send for him, and he says by nine. She promises to not fail in this task, and comments that it
1: seems like 20 years will pass between now and then. Juliet then realizes that she has forgotten exactly why she called Romeo back. He promises to stay until she remembers. She says that enjoying his company will continue to have her forget it, he says that he will stay in order for her to keep forgetting so they don't have to part. Juliet points out that it is almost morning, and she would have him not be there to be discovered, but also not gone farther than a pet bird. Romeo wishes he was her pet bird, and Juliet agrees. She bids him goodnight, even though parting from each other is painful. Romeo wishes that she will sleep well, and Juliet exits. Romeo comments that dawn is breaking and says that he will go to seek help from his spiritual mentor. Romeo exits.
0: Next, at the herb garden of an abbey, Friar Lawrence is collecting herbs and flowers when Romeo arrives. Friar Lawrence asks Romeo why he is here so early in the morning, as something must be wrong for Romeo to be here so early. Or, Friar Lawrence deduces, Romeo never went to sleep last night. Romeo says the latter is true. Friar Lawrence asks if Romeo was with Rosaline, and Romeo
1: says no, he has forgotten about Rosaline. Friar Lawrence is pleased by this and asks where Romeo has been instead. Romeo answers that he has been feasting with his enemy and was wounded by one he wounded. The remedies to their wounds lie within Friar Lawrence's abilities. Friar Lawrence asks Romeo to speak more plainly as this metaphor is too enigmatic. Romeo explains how he has fallen in love with Juliet and that they wish to be married. Romeo says that he will tell more of the events of last night to Friar Lawrence as they walk and talk, but first, he asks Friar Lawrence to consent to marry Romeo and Juliet today. Friar Lawrence is
0: taken aback by Romeo's sudden switch from Rosaline to Juliet, as Friar Lawrence knows how many tears Romeo has shed over Rosaline. Friar Lawrence chides Romeo for being inconstant and Romeo points out that Friar Lawrence used to once chide him for loving Rosaline. Friar Lawrence counters that the solution wasn't to fall in love with someone else. Romeo asks Friar Lawrence to stop chiding him as Juliet loves Romeo back while Rosaline didn't. Friar Lawrence says that Rosaline knew that Romeo's love was not real love, then tells Romeo to go with him. Friar Lawrence will help Romeo in the hope that the marriage will end the feud, Romeo is anxious to get going, and Friar Lawrence advises him to take his time and be careful as they exit.
1: Later in the day, Benvolio and Mercutio are walking through the streets of Verona, still looking for Romeo. Benvolio mentions that he went to Romeo's father's house and found out that Romeo did not go home. Mercutio suspects that Rosaline is still tormenting Romeo. Benvolio reveals that Tybalt has sent a letter to the Capulet house, and Mercutio bets that it is a challenge to duel Romeo. Benvolio says that Romeo will answer the challenge. Mercutio wonders if Romeo, who is so wounded by love, is in a state where he can encounter Tybalt. Benvolio asks what makes Tybalt so special, and Mercutio sarcastically and mockingly details how Tybalt fights foppishly, but by the book.
0: Romeo enters from a distance, and Benvolio and Mercutio see him. Mercutio believes that Romeo spent the night sleeping with Rosaline and calls out Romeo for giving them the slip after the party. Romeo apologizes and tells his friends that he had some great business to attend to. They exchange witty jokes back and forth for a few minutes before Mercutio notes that Romeo seems back to his old self, sociable and fun, and is no longer melancholy.
1: Mercutio starts to tell a tale when he is stopped by Benvolio. Then, Nurse and her servant Peter enter. Nurse says good morning to Romeo, Mercutio, and Benvolio. Then Mercutio notes that it is now the afternoon and tells a body joke. Nurse is appalled, but Romeo apologizes for his friend. Nurse then asks which of them is Romeo, and after Romeo identifies himself, she asks for a quick private conversation. Mercutio and Benvolio joke that she is a prostitute, inviting Romeo to dine with her. Mercutio then asks Romeo if Romeo will go with him and Benvolio to Romeo's father's house, where they intend to eat their midday meal. Romeo promises to follow after his conversation with Nurse. Mercutio and Benvolio exit.
0: Nurse asks Romeo who Mercutio is, and Romeo replies that Mercutio is a man who loves to hear himself talk. Nurse promises to give Mercutio a taste of his own medicine for saying what he said about her, and then she upbraids Peter for standing by silently while Mercutio used her for his pleasure. Peter misunderstands and says he didn't see any man attempt to have sex with Nurse. Nurse admonishes Peter further, then turns to Romeo and reveals that her lady, Juliet, sent her to find him.
1: Romeo asks the nurse to tell Juliet to find a way to come to confession that afternoon, and there, at Friar Lawrence's cell, will she receive confession and be married. He offers nurse money for her efforts, which she refuses, but he insists. She promises Juliet will meet with him this afternoon. Then, Romeo tells Nurse to stay behind the abbey wall as he and Juliet are getting married, as Romeo will send his servant to deliver a rope ladder to Nurse, which will allow Romeo to see Juliet at night. Nurse asks if Romeo's servant can be trusted to keep the secret, and Romeo says his servant is trustworthy. Nurse then tells Romeo that Paris intends to court Juliet, but Juliet doesn't care for him. She then attempts to remember a proverb Juliet said about Romeo and Rosemary, but doesn't remember it. They say their farewells and part ways.
0: Next, back in Juliet's room, Juliet is waiting for Nurse. Juliet says that she sent Nurse to find Romeo at 9 a.m. and expected her back within the half hour. She worries that Nurse wasn't able to meet Romeo, but then realizes that it just takes Nurse longer to walk places because of her age. Juliet wishes that Nurse could move as quickly as lovers' thoughts or as a young lover, as it has been three
1: hours. Then, Nurse and Peter enter, and Juliet asks if Nurse saw Romeo. Juliet tells Nurse to send Peter away, and Nurse does. Juliet starts her line of questioning again, but then notices that Nurse looks sad and asks why. Nurse replies that she is tired and her bones ache. Juliet wishes that they could trade bones and news, and asks again for Nurse to tell her the news. Nurse asks if Juliet can wait a minute, can't she see Nurse is out of breath? Juliet responds
0: that clearly Nurse isn't out of breath if she has enough breath to say she is out of breath. Juliet notes that the excuses Nurse is giving are longer than the news she has to tell, so Juliet asks her to say if it is good news or bad news. Nurse teases Juliet that Juliet has made a foolish choice and doesn't know how to choose a man because Romeo is just the handsomest and nicest man. Nurse tells Juliet she is lucky
1: and then asks if Juliet has had her midday meal yet. Juliet replies no, and that she already knows all of this information. She asks Nurse, more pointedly, what Romeo said about their marriage. Nurse replies that she isn't feeling well, and Juliet apologizes for that, but asks again about what Romeo has said. Nurse starts to tell Juliet what Romeo says, then asks where Juliet's mother is. This frustrates Juliet, and eventually Nurse relents, asking if Juliet is able to go to confession today. Juliet says yes, and Nurse details Romeo's plan, as we heard him tell Nurse earlier. Nurse tells Juliet to go to Friar Lawrence. Nurse will go to eat her midday meal, and then presumably go meet Romeo's servant for that rope ladder. They say farewell and exit. At Friar Lawrence's cell,
0: the Friar and Romeo are mid-discussion of how happy they both are that Romeo and Juliet are to be married, no matter what sorrows come after. Friar Lawrence gives some love advice. Then Juliet enters, somewhat quickly, and embraces Romeo. She greets Friar Lawrence and says that Romeo's greeting kiss, a customary greeting for the time, will do for greeting both of them. A.K.A. Juliet doesn't need to kiss both of them. She can just kiss Romeo. Romeo and Juliet exchange kisses as a greeting. Romeo poetically explains his love for Juliet, who gently reproves him, saying that sound, logical ideas depend on substance over style. But, she acknowledges, she also loves him very much. Friar Lawrence invites them to go with him, and he will marry them in little time.
1: They exit. An hour or two later, back in the streets of Verona, Benvolio and Mercutio enter. Benvolio asks Mercutio if they can go home as it is hot outside and there are many Capulets out on the streets, which will make it hard to avoid a brawl. Mercutio says that Benvolio is acting like a roaring boy, or one who will start a fight, which is not true at all and Mercutio is really describing someone more like himself or Tybalt.
0: Speaking of Tybalt, guess who enters as Mercutio and Benvolio are joking? It's Tybalt, followed by Petruchio, another Capulet, and others. Benvolio notices the group of Capulets and points them out to Mercutio, who says he doesn't care. Tybalt tells his crew to follow him as he will speak with Benvolio and Mercutio. Then he greets Benvolio and Mercutio and asks to have a word with one of them.
1: Mercutio says that Tybalt should pair a word with fighting, and Tybalt says that he would fight if he had a reason. Mercutio tries to get Tybalt to start a fight without cause, so the law wouldn't be on his side. Tybalt says that he is apt to do that as Mercutio spends his time with Romeo. Mercutio pretends to interpret this as Tybalt saying Mercutio and Romeo are in a band of musicians together, and takes offense to this. Benvolio suggests that they either go somewhere private to talk, or talk less heatedly, or separate and leave as many eyes are watching. Mercutio is fine to let people see.
0: Romeo enters, and Tybalt intends to part from Mercutio and go speak to Romeo. Mercutio continues to taunt Tybalt. Then Tybalt calls Romeo a villain. Romeo says he is not, and farewell to Tybalt, as clearly Tybalt does not know him. Tybalt is not satisfied with this, and challenges Romeo to a duel. Romeo protests, and swears he only
1: loves Tybalt and wishes Tybalt to be satisfied. Mercutio is disgusted by Romeo's submission to Tybalt's challenge and draws his sword. Mercutio challenges Tybalt, who accepts the challenge. They duel. Romeo calls for Mercutio to put down his weapon, then for Benvolio to draw and beat down the weapons of the two duelers. Romeo repeatedly calls for Mercutio and Tybalt to stop fighting, stepping between the fighters. Then, Tybalt thrusts his sword under Romeo's arm, and wounds Mercutio. Tybalt and his group run from the scene. Mercutio is hurt
0: and sends a page to go find a surgeon. He curses the Capulets and the Montagues for his injuries. Mercutio says that while his injuries don't look bad, they are likely fatal. Mercutio asks why Romeo stood in the middle of the fight as Mercutio was injured under Romeo's arm. Romeo says he thought it was for the best. Mercutio asks Benvolio for help into a nearby house. Mercutio curses the families again. Then he
1: and Benvolio exit. Alone on stage, Romeo recounts what just happened. Mercutio, the prince's kinsman, was mortally wounded on behalf of Romeo by Tybalt, who has stained Romeo's reputation, and who is now Romeo's cousin-in-law. Romeo notes that he is no longer as steely and courageous and apt to fight as he once was, now that he is married to Juliet.
0: Benvolio enters and delivers the news that Mercutio is dead. Tybalt re-enters and Romeo now challenges him to a duel for killing Mercutio. Tybalt and Romeo fight and Tybalt falls and dies. Benvolio urges a stunned Romeo to flee the scene as the citizens of Verona will be there soon and, with Tybalt dead, the prince will sentence Romeo to death as well. Romeo exits as citizens enter, searching for the killer of Mercutio. Benvolio shows them where Tybalt's body lies, and they order Benvolio to go with them.
1: Then, the prince, Lord Montague, Lord Capulet, Lady Montague, Lady Capulet, and others, enter. Prince asks where the people are who started the fight. Benvolio tells the prince that it was Tybalt who started the fray and killed Mercutio, and that Tybalt was killed by Romeo. Lady Capulet calls for the prince to seek vengeance against the Montagues for Tybalt's death. The prince asks
0: Benvolio again who started the fray, and Benvolio gives a more detailed, but accurate, account of what transpired. Lady Capulet claims that because Benvolio is a cousin to the Montagues, he is a biased witness and lying. She again calls for the prince to punish Romeo with death. Prince asks her who is to pay for Mercutio's death now that Tybalt is dead. Lord Montague says that Romeo should not be punished for Mercutio's death, as he was Mercutio's friend. By killing Tybalt, Romeo only
1: did what the law would eventually do. With this logic, the prince exiles Romeo from Verona. Now, the feud has impacted the prince's family, and because of this, he will impose a fine on both families to make them repent the loss of Mercutio. He will not hear any more pleading or excuses from the families. The prince decrees that Romeo should leave Verona swiftly, or else, if he is found in Verona, he will be put to death. The prince orders Tybalt's body borne away. The prince notes that he cannot be merciful to murderers, as this would beget more violence. All exit. Next, we return to Juliet's bedroom, where Juliet is
0: alone, waiting for nighttime to arrive, so Romeo can come visit her. She eagerly and impatiently awaits the consummation of their marriage vows. Then, Nurse enters with the rope ladder. Juliet notices that Nurse is wringing her hands and asks why. Nurse replies that they are undone and he is dead. Juliet assumes this to mean Romeo is dead. Nurse laments Romeo's name, and Juliet is further convinced that Romeo has slain himself or been
1: slain. Then, Nurse laments over Tybalt's death, and Juliet asks if both her husband and beloved cousin are dead. Nurse confirms that Tybalt is dead and Romeo banished for killing him. Juliet asks for confirmation that Romeo shed Tybalt's blood, and Nurse affirms that is what happened. Juliet curses that a beautiful face such as Romeo's hid such terrible villainy. Nurse forswears all men as dishonest, and wishes shame come to Romeo. Juliet then reverses her chiding of Romeo and chides Nurse for speaking ill of Juliet's husband. Nurse asks
0: if Juliet intends to speak well of the man who killed her cousin, and Juliet asks if she should speak ill of her husband. Juliet then wonders aloud who will redeem Romeo's name when even she, his wife, is capable of cursing it. She asks why he killed her cousin, who she then acknowledges would have killed her husband. She's crying but feels she should be joyous because her husband lives and his attempted murderer is dead. She realizes that she is crying over Romeo's banishment, which is worse news than the death of 10,000 dead Tybalts, or news of the deaths of Tybalt, her parents, and herself would be. She would be able to grieve those deaths, but Romeo's banishment
1: surpasses the bound of grief. Juliet then asks where her father and mother are. Nurse replies that they are weeping over Tybalt's corpse and asks Juliet if she would like to go to them. Juliet says that she will still be crying over Romeo's banishment when her parents are done crying over Tybalt's death. She instructs Nurse to help her pull the rope ladder up as it will not be able to fulfill its purpose of helping Romeo to her bedchamber. Juliet says she will go to bed and die a virgin. Nurse tells her to go to bed, but Nurse will go find Romeo and get him to come to Juliet's bedchamber. Nurse knows where Romeo is hidden, Friar Lawrence's cell. Juliet gives Nurse a ring to give to Romeo to help bid him to come and say his final goodbye. They exit.
0: Back at Friar Lawrence's cell, Friar Lawrence beckons Romeo to come out of a hiding place. Romeo enters and asks Friar Lawrence to tell him about the sentence decreed by the prince for killing Tybalt. Friar Lawrence tells Romeo that he is banished, and Romeo wishes he were sentenced to death instead. Friar Lawrence tells Romeo to be happy, as the prince has been more merciful than the law states he should be in this case. And besides, there is plenty of world to live in outside of the walls of Verona.
1: Romeo replies that this means he can never see Juliet again, which is a fate worse than death. Friar Lawrence tries to tell Romeo some philosophy and get him to be sensible, but Romeo resists, saying that Friar Lawrence can't possibly understand what Romeo's state of mind is right now. Romeo falls down, as if putting himself in the grave. Then, there is a knock at the door, and Friar Lawrence instructs Romeo to hide again. Romeo doesn't, and the knocks continue.
0: Friar Lawrence goes to the door and asks who is there. It is Nurse, who Friar Lawrence lets in. She asks where Romeo is, and Friar Lawrence points to where Romeo is crying on the ground. Nurse says that Juliet is in a very similar state. She gets Romeo to stand up for Juliet's sake. Romeo asks Nurse how Juliet is doing, and if she thinks of him as a
1: murderer. Nurse says that Juliet is just crying over him and Tybalt. This news distresses Romeo, who threatens to kill himself with a dagger. Nurse snatches the dagger away as Friar Lawrence admonishes Romeo for acting unmanly and irrationally, without regard for Juliet. Friar Lawrence reminds Romeo that Juliet is still alive and that Tybalt would have killed Romeo if he hadn't killed Tybalt. The Friar again reminds Romeo that the prince has been merciful in decreeing Romeo's banishment when the law decreed that Romeo should be put to death. Friar Lawrence chides Romeo for acting like these aren't three blessings and instructs Romeo to go to Juliet and comfort her while he still can. Friar Lawrence tells Romeo he should leave before dusk when the gates to Verona are locked and guards patrol the walls. From Verona, Romeo should go to Mantua and live there until Friar Lawrence and Nurse can make the news of Romeo's marriage known and beg for further forgiveness of the prince in order to bring Romeo back home. Friar Lawrence then tells Nurse to go ahead to Juliet, get the entire Capulet house to go to bed early, and tell Juliet that Romeo is on his way.
0: Nurse comments on how wise Friar Lawrence's plan is. She and Romeo agree to the plan and, before she leaves, she gives Romeo the ring Juliet sent. Nurse exits. Romeo is comforted by Friar Lawrence's plan being set in motion. Friar Lawrence again reminds Romeo to either leave Verona tonight before dusk or leave disguised by dawn, then stay in Mantua where Friar Lawrence will occasionally send Romeo's servant to deliver news from Verona they say farewell and exit.
1: Back at the Capulet house, Lord Capulet, Lady Capulet, and Paris are mid-conversation about Paris trying to court Juliet. Lord Capulet tells Paris that because of recent events, they have not had the time to convince Juliet about Paris. He tells Paris that Juliet loved Tybalt dearly, and as it is already late at night, Juliet will not come downstairs from her bedroom. In fact, if Paris hadn't shown up, Lord Capulet would have already been asleep for an hour.
0: Paris acknowledges that times of grief are not great times to woo, says goodnight, and asks Lady Capulet to commend him to Juliet. He starts to go, but Lord Capulet calls him back. Lord Capulet tells Paris that he will make a bold offer of Juliet's love, as he thinks his daughter will follow his decision. Lord Capulet tells his wife to go to Juliet before going to bed and let her know that she shall be married to Paris on Wednesday.
1: Lord Capulet then asks what day today is, and Paris tells him it is Monday. Lord Capulet then decides that Wednesday is too soon and amends the date of the wedding to Thursday. Lord Capulet asks Paris if he can be ready to get married by then. Lord Capulet also notes that it will be a small ceremony without much celebration, as they wouldn't want to give the impression that they aren't still grieving Tybalt's death. Paris agrees to this. Lord Capulet again tells his wife to go to Juliet tonight, and tell her that she will be married on Thursday to Paris. Lord Capulet notes that it is now so late at night that it might as well be morning. They all exit.
0: At break of day Tuesday morning, Romeo and Juliet are saying their final farewells at her window. They try to convince each other that Romeo can stay just a little longer, until Juliet admits that it is almost daylight and he must go. Just then, Nurse rushes in to tell Juliet that her mother is coming, Daylight has broken, and they should be wary. Nurse exits. Romeo and Juliet kiss farewell, and he descends the rope ladder into the orchard. Juliet imagines that she is looking down at him in a tomb as he looks pale from so far away. Romeo says she also looks pale to him, and he bids her farewell again before leaving.
1: Alone on stage, Juliet addresses Fortune and asks Fortune to continue to be fickle in the hope that Fortune will bring Romeo back sooner rather than later. Then, Lady Capulet enters, calling for Juliet. Juliet descends from the window, wondering aloud if her mother is up early or has stayed up all night, as it is odd for her to be awake at this time. Lady Capulet asks Juliet how she is doing, and Juliet replies that she isn't well. Lady Capulet assumes that this is because of Juliet's grief over Tybalt's death.
0: Lady Capulet advises Juliet to not show too much grief, but just the appropriate amount. Juliet protests that she should be able to cry over such a loss. Lady Capulet claims that Juliet is also grieving that Romeo lives, as he is Tybalt's murderer. Juliet equivocates, along with her mother's narrative, even saying aloud that she wishes that she could be the one to avenge her cousin's death. Lady Capulet says they will have vengeance, and that she can have someone she knows in Mantua poison Romeo.
1: Juliet continues to equivocate and tells her mother that she would like to be the one to bear the poison to Romeo and use the love she bore her cousin against Romeo's body. Lady Capulet agrees to this plan and then tells Juliet that she has good news. She tells Juliet that Lord Capulet has arranged a marriage between Juliet and Paris and that they will be married on Thursday.
0: Juliet refuses this and points out the speed at which this arrangement has been made. Paris hasn't even started to woo her. She says that she would rather not marry yet, and when she does, she'd rather marry Romeo, who she says her parents know she hates, rather than Paris. Lady Capulet says
1: that Juliet can tell her father this, as Lord Capulet and Nurse enter. Lord Capulet comments on the amount of tears shed for Tybalt and how Juliet is still crying over him. He asks his wife if she has told Juliet of their decision regarding Paris. Lady Capulet responds that Juliet said, "'Thanks, but no,' and Lady Capulet wishes Juliet were married to her grave. Lord Capulet is confused by this and asks his wife to explain how Juliet is thankful but refuses Paris. Is she too proud to accept the excellent match that Paris is for her? Juliet interjects that she is not
0: too proud, but is thankful because she knows that her parents were acting out of love for her. But she just hates Paris. Lord Capulet disregards Juliet's logic, calls her a spoiled brat, and tells her that she will indeed be married to Paris on Thursday, whether she likes it or not. He further harangues Juliet for her disobedience, which surprises Lady Capulet. Juliet kneels and asks her father to listen to her for a moment.
1: Lord Capulet is enraged by this and tells Juliet to get to church on Thursday or never look at him again. He tells her to not say another word as his fingers itch to strike her. He then turns to his wife and says that they thought they were blessed to have Juliet as their only child, but now he feels like she is one child too many and a curse on them. He curses Juliet again, and Nurse interjects that he is out of pocket for upbraiding her like this. Lord Capulet tells Nurse to hold her tongue. She tries to speak twice again, but he will not listen. Lady Capulet tells him he is overreacting. To this... He responds that
0: he is angry because he has worked very hard to get a good match for Juliet and, in matching her with Paris, he has fulfilled his fatherly duties to provide for his child. However, after all of his work, Juliet is refusing to follow his choice. Therefore, he feels that she can go search for a match on her own and leave his house. He tells her to think about it as he isn't joking about throwing her out of the house if she doesn't want to marry Paris. She has until Thursday to decide if she will follow her father's will or be turned out on the streets, where her father will not acknowledge her. He exits.
1: Juliet begs her mother to see how grieved she is, not cast her out, and delay this marriage for a month or a week or else make Juliet a bed in the tomb where Tybalt lies. Lady Capulet tells Juliet to not try to appeal to her and to do as Juliet wants. Like Lord Capulet, Lady Capulet is done with Juliet. Lady Capulet exits.
0: Juliet then turns to Nurse and asks how this marriage can be prevented, and for comfort. Juliet is already married, and while Romeo lives, she can't be married again. Nurse replies that while, yes, Romeo is alive, he is as good as dead since he is banished, and she thinks it would be for the best if Juliet just went along with the marriage to Paris. She tells Juliet that Paris is an even better man for Juliet than Romeo.
1: Juliet asks if Nurse is speaking her true feelings, and Nurse replies that this is her true opinion. Juliet says, amen to that, which surprises Nurse. Juliet then says that this was very comforting and instructs Nurse to go to Lady Capulet and tell her that Juliet has gone to Friar Lawrence to confess the sin of disobeying her father and to be absolved. Nurse agrees and thinks this is wise. Nurse exits. Alone on stage... Juliet curses Nurse for
0: her duplicity in wishing Juliet to marry Paris and for speaking ill of Romeo after so recently speaking well of him. She swears that she will no longer hold Nurse as a trustworthy confidant. She will go to the friar to see if he can find a remedy for the situation and, if all else fails, she will kill herself.
1: Juliet exits. Next, Friar Lawrence and Paris enter mid-conversation. Friar Lawrence is surprised to learn that Lord Capulet wants the Paris Juliet wedding to take place this Thursday. Paris is eager to get married, so he's fine with it. However, Juliet hasn't been asked her opinion on this swift marriage, and Friar Lawrence expresses that he does not like this course. Paris explains that Juliet continues to grieve over Tybalt's death, and Lord Capulet thinks that a hasty marriage and companionship will help stop her tears. Just then, Juliet enters.
0: Paris greets his betrothed, and Juliet responds with indifference to the news of a Thursday wedding. Paris continues by asking Juliet if she has come to confess her love for him, Paris, to Friar Lawrence. Juliet skillfully dodges this question. Paris comments on how much Juliet has been crying, and now Juliet averts Paris's consolations. She has come to speak with Friar Lawrence,
1: and Friar Lawrence asks Paris to leave him and Juliet alone. Juliet demands the door be shut, and Friar Lawrence weeps with her. Juliet is past hope, cure, and help. While Friar Lawrence knows Juliet's grief, he concludes that she must marry Count Paris on Thursday. Juliet demands help in preventing the marriage, or else she threatens she will kill herself and holds up the knife that will do the deed. She explains that she and Romeo have been joined by God, and the Friar himself, and she cannot give herself to another. Friar Lawrence needs to quickly give her a remedy, or else she will do it. Friar Lawrence tells Juliet that he has an idea that is just as
0: extreme as her will to kill herself, and, if she is willing to participate, he has the remedy. Juliet shares the lengths to which she will go to avoid marrying Paris, some gruesome, like leaping off a tower or being bear-baited, so that she can be a loyal wife to Romeo. She will do whatever he suggests without fear.
1: Friar Lawrence advises Juliet to go home, be happy, and agree to marry Paris. Tomorrow is Wednesday. Remember, the wedding is on Thursday. And, on that night, the plan will commence. Alone in her bedchamber, she shall take a vial that will make her appear dead for 42 hours before she wakes from the sleep. When she is found by her bridegroom Paris on her wedding day, he will think that she is dead. She will then be buried in the Capulet tomb. In the meantime, Friar Lawrence says that he will send a letter to Romeo explaining the plan, as well as calling for him to return to Verona. Both he and Romeo will be in the tomb for her awakening, and, lastly, Romeo will take Juliet to Mantua. Juliet agrees, and the plan is set. They exit. Lord Capulet, Lady Capulet, Nurse, and a few serving men
0: enter. Capulet is making plans for the wedding, so he sends a serving men off to hire cooks. Capulet states that they will be understaffed for the time and inquires if Juliet has gone to Friar Lawrence's. The nurse says yes, and Lord Capulet comments that the Friar might do some good on her and calls her a, quote, peevish self-willed harlotry, unquote, or a headstrong good-for-nothing.
1: Just then, Juliet enters. Nurse comments that Juliet has returned from confession looking merry. Lord Capulet then asks Juliet where she has been to which Juliet responds, from the place that has taught her to repent the sin of disobedience. Now, she asks for a pardon, and answers that she is, henceforward, ruled by her father. She kneels down. Delighted, Lord Capulet requests they send for Paris to tell him Juliet accepts. The wedding is on. As Lord Capulet calls for Paris, Juliet asks Nurse to go with her to her
0: closet to help her find accessories for her wedding outfit. Lady Capulet dissuades them from doing this until Thursday, but Lord Capulet encourages them. Juliet and Nurse exit. Lady Capulet points out that it is almost nighttime and recommends they not work for much longer. Lord Capulet disagrees and sends her off to help Juliet. He will not go to bed tonight because there is much to be done. Lady Capulet exits. Lord Capulet then decides that, since everyone is away, he will, instead, walk to Paris's. Lord Capulet is delighted that his obedient daughter is back.
1: He exits. Juliet and Nurse enter. Juliet chooses a dress, then sends Nurse away. Juliet tells Nurse that she would like to be alone to do a lot of praying so that the heavens will smile on her in spite of all of her sins. Lady Capulet then enters to ask if Juliet needs her help. Juliet responds that no, everything has been gathered for tomorrow. She then asks to be left alone. Lady Capulet agrees, so she and Nurse exit. Alone in
0: her bedchamber, Juliet ponders when she will meet her mother and nurse again. She fears the plan and calls for nurse for comfort. She then retracts this because she needs to act alone in this plan. Juliet grabs the vial. She questions what would happen if the mixture doesn't work. Will she have to marry Paris? She decides that if the mixture doesn't work, she will use her knife as a plan B. Then she questions whether the mixture is actually poison, and Friar Lawrence plans to kill her because of her marriage to Romeo. Even though Juliet fears this, she knows it is not true. She then wonders what would happen if she wakes before Romeo returns. Will she die in the tomb? She fears what would happen if her buried ancestors, like Tybalt, rises from the grave and, hearing them, she goes mad and bashes out her brains with one of her kinsman's bones. Frightened by her imagination, she drinks and falls onto her bed.
1: We are now in the Capulet kitchen, and time in this scene passes from 3 a.m. to noon. Right now, it is 3 a.m., when Lady Capulet and Nurse enter with herbs. Lady Capulet sends Nurse off to get more spices. Before Nurse can exit, Lord Capulet enters and demands that Nurse, we learn is named Angelica, go take care of the baked meat pies. The Nurse tries to send Lord Capulet off to bed so that he doesn't get sick. Lord Capulet rejects this notion. Lady Capulet playfully tells Lord Capulet that she will be keeping an eye on him. Lady Capulet and nurse exit. Lord Capulet continues preparations for the wedding. Three or four servants
0: enter with spits, logs, and baskets, supplies for the cook. Lord Capulet sends them off to retrieve drier logs for the cook. Some servants exit. Realizing it is now the wedding day, Lord Capulet says he is expecting Count Paris with music. Music plays, which means Paris is near. Lord Capulet calls for Nurse and Lady Capulet. And Lord Capulet sends her to wake up and dress Juliet. He will go chat with Paris in the meantime. He concludes by repeatedly demanding that everyone move quickly. Lord Capulet and the servants exit.
1: Nurse goes to the curtains and calls to Juliet. But Juliet does not respond, so Nurse thinks that Juliet is still asleep. Nurse scolds Juliet for sleeping in so late. It is around noon now, but Juliet still does not respond. Nurse jokingly warns Juliet that Paris will give her little rest in bed once they are married, and Juliet still does not respond. Nurse then sees that Juliet is lying on her bed fully dressed and thinks Juliet fell back asleep and needs to be awakened. At last, Nurse realizes that Juliet is dead. She cries out for Lord and Lady Capulet that Lady Juliet is dead. Lady Capulet enters,
0: and nurse shows her that Juliet is dead. Lady Capulet demands her daughter revive, or else she will die with her child. Nothing happens, so she calls for help. Lord Capulet enters and calls for Juliet. Paris is here. Nurse and Lady Capulet tell Lord Capulet that Juliet is dead. He does not believe them until he looks at her and sees that she looks dead. While nurse and Lady Capulet cry out, Lord Capulet has no words.
1: Friar Lawrence and Paris enter. Friar Lawrence asks if the bride Juliet is ready to go to the church. Lord Capulet responds that she is ready to go, but not to return. He then tells Paris that Juliet died the night before the wedding. Now, death is Lord Capulet's son-in-law, for Juliet has married death. Lady Capulet, Nurse, Paris, and Lord Capulet take turns lamenting and mourning Juliet's death. Friar Lawrence tries to console everyone by ensuring Juliet is well in heaven. He encourages everyone to dry their tears and prepare to take her to the church. Lord Capulet realizes the festivities will have to turn to solemnities. As they all exit, Nurse casts Rosemary on Juliet and shuts the curtains. Nurse remains on stage.
0: Musicians enter. One musician states that they will put away their instruments and leave. Nurse agrees that they should because this is a pitiful case. The musician mistakes the word case as in situation for case as in his instrument case. Nurse exits. Lord Capulet's servant Peter enters and requests that Paris's musicians play a popular country dance of the time, "Heart's Ease, to comfort him. The musicians do not want to play because it is inappropriate for the occasion. Peter engages the musicians in some wordplay about music and silver until Peter finally exits. The musicians comment on his knavery and decide they will stay for dinner. They exit.
1: Romeo, now in Mantua, enters. He speaks of how, if he can trust it, his dreams foretell of joyful news. He is feeling light-hearted. He dreamed that Juliet came and found him dead and breathed life into him with kisses on the lips. He wonders how sweet love is when it is had, considering love's appearances are so rich in joy. Balthazar, Romeo's man,
0: enters booted. Suggesting he just got into Mantua. Romeo is delighted that there is news from Verona and asks Balthazar if he brought letters from Friar Lawrence. He also asks how Juliet is doing, if his father is well, and then asks again how Juliet is doing. Balthazar equivocates at Juliet's condition with the word well, like Ross to Macduff. Balthazar then reveals that Juliet's body lies in the Capulet Monument. He saw her laid in the tomb, so he set off to tell Romeo. Romeo can't believe it, and announces to the stars that he will defy them. Romeo tells Balthazar to get him ink and paper and hire post horses, for he will leave tonight. Balthazar suggests Romeo have patience, but Romeo will not hear it and asks Balthazar to do as he's asked. But first, Romeo asks if there are any letters from Friar Lawrence. Balthazar says no, and Romeo dismisses Balthazar to hire horses. Balthazar exits.
1: Alone, Romeo reveals that he will lie with Juliet tonight. He remembers an apothecary who lives nearby in tattered clothes picking medicinal herbs. Noting the apothecary's poverty, Romeo thought to himself that if any man needed to buy a poison, a transaction in Mantua that would lead to the punishment of death, this man would. So, this man should then sell poison to Romeo. When Romeo spots the shop, he thinks that it is closed. Then an apothecary enters. The apothecary asks who is calling
0: so loudly for him. Romeo says that he will pay the apothecary 40 ducats, a lot for the time, for a dram of poison that will violently end his life. The apothecary does have that type of drug, but says that in Mantua, it is punishable by death. Romeo is confused how he, the apothecary, being so poor and wretched, still fears death. Romeo explains to the apothecary That the world and the world's laws are not his friend. Since the world offers no opportunity to become rich, the apothecary should break the law and take Romeo's money. The apothecary's poverty, not will, agrees to the transaction. The apothecary instructs Romeo to put the poison into any liquid to drink. The apothecary exits. Romeo exits with the vial, that he calls a cordial, to
1: Juliet's grave. Friar John and Friar Lawrence enter and greet one another. Friar Lawrence welcomes Friar John back from Mantua and asks what Romeo says, or if Romeo wrote him a letter. Friar John shares that, because one of his brothers was exposed to plague while visiting the sick, he had to quarantine and could not go to Mantua. Friar Lawrence asks, who delivered his letter to Romeo? Friar John says, no one. He couldn't get a messenger due to a fear of infection. Friar Lawrence is horrified by this because the letter was full of important information and not delivering it might have grave consequences. Friar Lawrence asks Friar John to fetch a crowbar and bring it to his cell. Friar John agrees and exits. Friar Lawrence shares that he must go to the tomb because Juliet will wake in three hours. He says that she'll be upset with him because Romeo is not there, but he will write again to Mantua and keep Juliet in his cell until Romeo comes he exits.
0: Paris and his page enter with flowers and sweet water and a torch. Paris demands his page give him the torch. He also tells his page to withdraw some distance. He instructs his page to go under some trees and hold his ear to the ground. No one shall enter the churchyard. If someone does, he is to whistle to Paris as a signal that something is approaching. Paris then demands the flowers and sends his page off to do as Paris bids him. His page says, in an aside, that he is afraid to stand
1: alone in the churchyard, but will do it. Paris's page retires. Paris strews the tomb with flowers. As he does this, he mourns how he is throwing flowers onto his bride's grave and not her bridal bed. His funeral rite for Juliet is that he will nightly throw flowers onto her grave and cry. Paris's page whistles. Paris, warned that someone with a torch approaches, stops the funeral rites, and conceals himself.
0: Romeo and Balthazar enter with a torch, a mattock, a tool like a pick, and a crowbar. Romeo asks Balthazar for the mattock and the crowbar. Romeo then hands Balthazar a letter. Romeo instructs Balthazar to deliver the letter to his father in the morning. He demands light. Then he tells Balthazar that, no matter what he hears or sees, stand at a distance away and do not interrupt his course of action. Romeo tells Balthazar that he is entering the tomb in order to see Juliet's face and also to retrieve a ring from her dead finger that he needs for important business. With that, Romeo tells Balthazar to get away and, if Balthazar does return to spy on Romeo's business, Romeo assures Balthazar that he will tear him joint by joint and strew the churchyard with his limbs. Balthazar agrees he will be gone and not trouble Romeo. Romeo hands Balthazar money and wishes him farewell. Balthazar says in an aside that he is uncertain of Romeo's intentions
1: and will hide nearby. Balthazar retires. Romeo opens the tomb. He curses the tomb as a womb of death who has devoured the dearest morsel of the earth, Juliet. Because of this, Romeo says he will force the tomb's rotten jaws open and feed himself to the tomb. Still on stage, Paris recalls that this person is the banished Montague who murdered Juliet's cousin, and Juliet's grief for Tybalt is the suspected cause of her death. Paris then suspects Romeo has returned to do some shame to the dead bodies—necrophilia, perhaps? And so, Paris must arrest Romeo. Paris steps
0: forward and commands Romeo stop. Paris tells Romeo that, as a condemned villain, Paris is going to apprehend him— Romeo must obey and go with Paris, or else die. Romeo agrees that he must die. That is why he has come here. Romeo then warns Paris to not tempt a desperate man. Instead, Paris should go away and leave him. Romeo begs Paris to not be another sin on his head by urging him to fury. In fact, Romeo has come armed against himself. Paris should be gone so that he may live and say a madman told him to run
1: away. Paris does not accept this entreaty and remains firm that he will apprehend Romeo here. Being provoked, Romeo tells Paris to have at him. They fight. Paris's page, still on stage, sees them fight and announces that he will call the watch. He exits. Then, Paris announces that he has been slain and that Romeo should open the tomb and lay him with Juliet. Paris dies. Romeo agrees and sees that the man he killed is Paris, Mercutio's relative. Romeo then recalls that Balthazar told him earlier that Paris should have married Juliet. Romeo questions if it was a dream or if he is mad. Romeo says he will bury Paris in a triumphant grave. Romeo then sees
0: Juliet, whose beauty, he says, turns the tomb into a luminescent beacon like a brightly lit banqueting hall. Romeo wonders how many facing death have been happy and revived by death. Death which took Juliet did not take her beauty. Romeo then sees Tybalt and asks for forgiveness. Romeo then turns back to Juliet and declares that he will never leave her again. He will remain dead in this tomb. Romeo gives Juliet a kiss, then drinks the potion and dies.
1: Friar Lawrence enters with a lantern, crowbar, and spade, a tool for digging. Friar Lawrence asks who is in the graveyard and Balthazar steps forward to announce a friend. Friar Lawrence wants to know about the torch that burns in the Capulet's tomb. Balthasar says it does burn in the Capulet's tomb, and his master, Romeo, is in the tomb. Friar Lawrence asks how long Romeo has been in there, and Balthasar answers a half an hour. Friar Lawrence demands Balthasar go with him into the vault, but Balthasar responds that he cannot because Romeo threatened him with death if he stayed and kept an eye on him. Friar Lawrence decides he will go in alone because he fears something bad happened. Balthazar then shares that he dreamt that Romeo and another fought, and that Romeo killed him. Balthazar exits. Friar Lawrence
0: notices blood on the entrance of the tomb, and abandoned and bloody swords lying in the tomb. He sees Romeo, pale, and Paris steeped in blood. Overcome, Friar Lawrence laments the cruelty of what has happened this hour. Just then, Juliet wakes. Juliet asks Friar Lawrence for Romeo's whereabouts. She recognizes that this is where she should be. Where is her Romeo? Friar Lawrence coaxes Juliet to leave the tomb because the plan has failed. Romeo and Paris lie dead. Instead, Friar Lawrence will take Juliet to a convent. He tells her not to ask questions because the watch is coming. He asks her one last time to come with him, and he dares not stay. Juliet, however, demands Friar Lawrence leave without her. He exits.
1: Juliet notices a cup in Romeo's hand and sees that the poison he drank is what killed him. But no poison was left for her to drink. She says she will kiss his lips in the hopes that some poison is still on his lips to kill her and reunite them in death. Juliet kisses Romeo. Suddenly, Paris's page and watchmen enter looking for the commotion. Juliet, hearing them, decides to be quick and kill herself with a knife. She takes Romeo's dagger and stabs herself. And she dies.
0: The page tells the chief watchman that this is where the torch burns and the watchman observes that the ground is bloody. The chief watchman orders a search of the churchyard. Some of the watch exit. Then the chief watchman finds Paris dead and Juliet newly bleeding even though she was dead and buried two days ago. The chief watchman orders some of the watch to tell the prince, the Capulets, and the Montagues. He tells others to keep searching. Some of the watch exit. Another watchman enters with Balthazar and tells the chief watchman that he found Romeo's man in the courtyard. Balthazar is to be held until the prince comes. A third watchman enters with Friar Lawrence and explains he was found on the churchyard's side. Friar Lawrence is to stay as well.
1: Then, prince enters with attendants and asks what is going on so early that he has to be woken up from his rest. Lord Capulet and Lady Capulet enter and also want to know what is going on. Lady Capulet shares that people in the streets are crying Romeo, Juliet, and Paris, and they are running in outcry to the monument. So, the chief watchman reveals Paris, dead, Romeo, dead, and Juliet, newly dead. Prince commands people to find out how this murder happened. The chief watchman shares that Friar Lawrence and Balthazar have the tools for opening a tomb. Lady Capulet notices the knife in Juliet's chest is a Montague's.
0: Lord Montague enters with attendants. He announces that Lady Montague has died tonight from grief over Romeo's exile, and he wants to know what other woe he will have to endure. The prince tells him to look, and Lord Montague sees that Romeo is dead and wants to know what happened. The prince commands everyone to contain their outrage until the cause of the situation is cleared up. Once answers are found, prince will tell them what comes next, even if it means the death penalty. This would be for the families and the retainers from Act 1, Scene 1. Next, the suspicious parties must be brought forward.
1: Friar Lawrence admits that he is the most suspected, for he stands both condemned and excused. Prince demands Friar Lawrence tell what he knows. Friar Lawrence shares his role in the plan. Then, Balthazar is asked to share his participation, so he does. Lastly, Paris' page shares his role in the evening. All accounts are true to the events the audience has witnessed prior.
0: Prince shares that the letter corroborates Friar Lawrence's story and adds that Romeo bought a poison from an apothecary to kill himself and lie with Juliet in death. Upon reading this, Prince calls for Lord Capulet and Lord Montague and scolds them for their hate. The Prince lectures that their love killed their children. In addition, Prince has also lost kinsmen in the process. Lord Capulet and Lord Montague take hands. Lord Capulet offers his hand as a settlement for his daughter, and Lord Montague offers to erect a statue of Juliet in pure gold. Lord Capulet will then, in turn, provide a statue of Romeo to match Juliet's
1: as he rests by her side. Prince meditates that a dark peace has arrived this morning. He also commands everyone to go and talk more about sad things. Some of the people involved will be pardoned, and some punished. And of course, our play ends with the prince reflecting that, quote, For never was a story of more woe than this of Juliet and her Romeo. Unquote. And that's the play. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our guest editor,
0: Nat Yance. I'm Courtney Smith. And I'm Elise Sharp. This is Shakespeare Anyone?
1: Thank you so much for listening to Shakespeare Anyone. Works referenced in this episode are available in the episode description. Our theme music is Never Ending Minute by Sounds Like Sander. If you would like to support us, it would help us out if you would hit the subscribe button, like us, leave a comment, write a review, share us on social media, tell a friend about us, all the things. We'd appreciate it.
0: You can also support the podcast at patreon.com slash
1: ShakespeareAnyone. Patreon patrons get access to exclusive bonus content throughout the year. The link is also in the episode description. For more, you can visit our website,
0: shakespeareanyone.com, follow us on Instagram at ShakespeareAnyonePod, or Twitter at ShakespeareAnyone. For Twitter, that's ShakespeareAny and the number one. Every other platform is spelled out like the name of the podcast.
1: Now, because you listened all the way to the end of the credits, Here's a completely random Shakespeare quote for you. From Henry VI, Part 2, Act 2, Scene 3, said by Eleanor. Welcome is banishment. Welcome were my death.